Welcome back to another episode of Launch AMA, where we ask startup experts about anything and everything. I'm your host as usual, Sam, the VP of Programs here at Launch Academy. So I'm joined by a very special guest today, um, a mentor of mine and someone who's actually helped me, brought me into the tech industry yourself. So for, for those of you listening and uh, have hopefully reaped a little bit benefits of me, you have uh, Carolyn Lucal to thank. So Carolyn Luco is the CEO of WIP. So welcome, Carolyn. Hey, Sam. Good to see you. Good to hear you. <laughs> for sure. And, and so for, for those of you that have never met you, uh, why don't you just introduce yourself first? Sure. Um, my name is Carolyn Luco. As Sam mentioned, I've got a company called WIP. And for the last 15 years, we've been building developer communities for a lot of big tech companies all over the world, based right here in Vancouver. It's very cool. And, and but so, so we'll dive a little bit deeper into to WIP for a second, but I kind of want to start because because in, in, and pardon my language, but in my mind, you're one of the OGs of the, the tech ecosystem in Vancouver. So like, old? no, no, no. It means original, ah, okay. <laughs> um, but, but um, I just kind of want to go like, how, how did you actually get into tech? And I know this is a little bit, you know, we're digging ways back now, but, but <laughs> even before that you were doing international business and, and obviously you've always lived in Vancouver, but like, how did you get into tech in the first place? And what, what was the state of the ecosystem back then? Well, how far back do you want to go? I mean, I haven't always lived in Vancouver. But, you know, in, in terms of tech and getting into getting into the technology industry, I mean, I coded in high school way back in the 80s, but that was my means to get out of French class. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. So, uh, and I, and you know, from then on, um, you know, we did we did basic programming back then. I just thought it was just like the coolest. It was just the coolest thing ever, and you know, just sort of continue to really, I never actually took a technical degree, but continue to learn, mm. um, you know, different coding, different databases and things like that. And then really how I got into what I'm doing now is um, when I, I, I did an MBA and got recruited by Anderson Consulting um, to come and mm. work for them. And at that point, they were saying, Carolyn, you're really great. You're really smart. We want you to come and work for us. Please come and work in government services in New Brunswick. And I said, no, I didn't want to do that. Um, so they came back to me a little while later and said, how about telecommunications in Toronto? And I thought, that just sounds way better than government services in New Brunswick. <laughs> so, so I went for it, not really understanding what I was getting myself into, but this was back in the mid-90s. And that's when we were starting to talk about convergence. So I was in telecom and was learning about how mobile was, was being integrated with the internet and how telecom worked. And my jaw just dropped every day going, wow, this is just so amazing. And I really got to learn it from the, from the ground up and um, had to learn how to code billing systems and just, um, yeah, just, just felt very, you know, to this day, I feel very grateful for that experience you know, both getting mobile and internet so early, being able to understand software so early and, 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 you know, doing it in a space that, you know, who knew mobile was going to blow up the way it did. Mm. That's amazing. And then yeah. eventually you kind of, kind of landed in, in Vancouver itself. So yeah, I landed in Vancouver because I just didn't want, I wanted to get away from the winters and, um, you know, happened into, um, a, well, you know, for a couple of years, I was selling land in um, marketing industrial space in China, because uh, I always really liked doing uh, Asian business and, and mm -hmm. did a lot of work over there. 
Um, but the Asian crisis hit and lost my job and was always wanting to, you know, do more in tech again and uh, landed a job with IRAP oh. and um, ended up just, again, loving that, just um, seeing all what all the companies were doing and what all the innovation was happening. But again, because I had that mobile, telecom, you know, internet software background, it was like, well, Carolyn knows what to do with this one. Let <laughs> Carolyn take a look at that. You know, and so in that way, I really got to know the ecosystem very well, um, got to support the ecosystem that was happening here. And, you know, was one of the key drivers in, in driving wireless as one of the key pillars happening in, in the community here. Um, and I probably told you this story some, but really had to push early on to where um, when they were when when the province at the time was setting up pillars, it was very much about life sciences and it was about fuel cells. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody really wanted to talk about mobile. You know, this was over 15 years ago. And I kept saying, no, like this mobile thing, it's it's gonna, it's really going to go somewhere. And um, and not everybody believed, but there was enough people that did. And, you know, hence Wavefront was formed uh, through through that. So. It's good. There were some good believers back in the day. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and now we don't talk about mobile because everything's mobile. Everything's mobile. Yeah. <laughs> Although five, with 5G, we're going to be talking about more mobile too. Cool. So like, what do you, what do you think actually is, is evolved? I think you, you mentioned Wavefront, which is, which is come and gone. And I think most of the listeners might not know what Wavefront is, but, but you, I mean, you've seen definitely rise falls and, and continuations of, of different parts of the community. Like what, and, 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 understanding that some of our listeners may have actually never touched ground in Vancouver, like what, what can people expect and what are some of the things that, that, you know, in your opinion, people should be reaching out to and, and, and not to mention launch itself. Cause of course they're, they're already, you know, connected with us. Um, but, but outside of that, like what are some things that would be helpful from your perspective? I think, you know, if I look back again, you know, when I got started in, in doing things with the community 15, 20 years ago, um, there wasn't anything like a launch academy. There really wasn't any, you know, besides IRAP giving people, you know, giving young companies, you know, some money to get started with in terms of developing their tech. And, you know, I was one of the business advisors. So we, you know, we'd give the little bit of business advice they had, but there, you know, there weren't the incubators around, there weren't the accelerators around, there weren't all the courses that were around. So, you know, I think it's, it's great that there's a real robust community around startups and, and particularly around tech startups too. So, you know, I think there's a number of different places to go based on, you know, what you're looking for and the type of tech you have. Um, I'm not sure I'd, could point to any one that was, you know, this is a must go to, because um, it really depends on what what you're what mm-hmm. you're trying to do in terms of the size of the company that that you've got and um, the type of technology that you're dealing with as well. And, and to, to preface this next question um, for for listeners and, and listeners that are part or were part of of the Maple program, uh, Carolyn is actually one one of the one of the judges that sits on our panel that actually helps us review um, applications. So, so despite maybe you having never met her, she, she kind of knows you perhaps a little bit weird when I say that sentence out loud. Um, but, but we really kind of exper- appreciate her, her experience um, and just, just insight into different tech companies. But, but from, from a company perspective, like what do you think Vancouver needs more of and, and, and how, how as these founders kind of approach Vancouver should, like, what should they be doing to, to, you know, entrench themselves into this community here? Sure. I think number one, you always have to just 
get in there and meet a lot of people. And obviously with COVID, it makes it a little more challenging. But if you can elevate your voice, um, if you're going to event, whether you're meeting people and you're asking questions, and I think online, you've got to do the same thing and, and to be able to reach out to people. And, you know, maybe you're not as an, as an experienced networker, um, you know, as, as some of us are for being around, but I always think that, you know, never, you never leave a conversation with just a goodbye. You leave a conversation with, you know, who else can you suggest that I talk to? Um, so that sort of keeps bridging those bridging those, um, those gaps to try and find some other people that might have some good experience that, that you need. So I think that's always really important. Um, in terms of Van, Vancouver as, as a whole, you know, there's a lot of folks that have a lot of, you know, we're a small, we're, we're a robust community, but we're a small community. And there's a lot of companies here, um, you know, are myself included, that have rarely had a Canadian customer. I think those are companies, though, that are hard to find, because we tend to be busy doing things in other places. Um, but I think if, you know, if you can find those linkages, and, you know, folks like Sam can help build some of the bridges with those linkages for folks that are doing a lot of international work. I think that's important because there's an awful lot of experience that can be, you know, brought to the table that I think a lot of folks are willing, willing to give. Um, for those of us, if, if we're away all the time, we just don't know how to do it. Um, and maybe we're, we're hidden um, a, a little bit a little bit more, but certainly because it's a small community too, uh, and even Canada itself is a small country, you really need to look outside the borders for, um, you know, customers for sure, but also some some support. And there are a lot of good, good networks around that go beyond our borders, which I think are important to get in touch with as well. Mm -hmm. And and kind of kind of more more leading towards your international experience. You're you're one of the most travel well traveled tech entrepreneurs I know. So like outside outside and we'll talk about the valley in a second but outside that what communities have have fascinated you and and you know are kind of maybe close to your heart in terms of tech communities um i mean berlin always stands out as a really interesting you know tech community when we started going there so many years ago um you know i mean they weren't that far from opening up and you just had this really creative class of people that just were real go-getters that wanted stuff to, to happen. And that started to get recognized. So then more of the larger companies were, were moving in to take advantage of that. And so there's always a, a lovely bunch of people um, that, that are there and are interesting to, to work with. Um, I've always liked London a lot too. I've been there so many times. I always find, find something new, um, but they've always had a really great way of building and, and developing and having lots of communities and you know partly they've got that because you know they're a huge huge city um i mean they're almost like a city state in a way i'm sure anybody who are who's from the outskirts of london would hate that i said that but in a way they are you know so much stuff is focused on london where you know you go to canada you go to the us and there's so many different cities um, that are things are happening at and you know, London things are a lot more focused um, than, than they are here. So it, those are two fun cities to always go to. For sure. And I, I know my biggest beef with London is, is I'm always looking the wrong way when I cross the street. I know. So, so I'm 
always almost getting myself killed. Um, but that, that, that I think is more to do with me than, than London itself. Um, and then of course, San Francisco, the Valley, right? Like that's, yeah. I mean, there's so much going on there, but it's, it's such a different, it's such a different place. It's just such a different community. It's, so on that note, like what, what do you think makes the Valley different? Hmm. Well, I mean, definitely this, this, you know, you can go back and read all the history and it's, it's how it, it, how it started around, you know, I mean, it was really started to support government and, and to support, um, you know, the universities did that and it, and people went there to take chances. And I think, you know, there are some good parallels to, to Vancouver too, where so many of us have come from away and the, you know, the maple program folks are like that too. You know, it's, it's, it's the people that are actually willing to leave their communities and start something new. Mm-hmm. That's all, that's already a risk. That's already about risk taking. And that's what happened in San Francisco as well as a lot of people came there to work on those projects and go to those schools and take those risks. So they already had that, they already had that mindset, right? That things just, just kept growing. Um, I think one thing that a lot of people get a little scared about, like, I would love to see our community have more connections there. Um, but it is, it can be really overwhelming because when you talk about Silicon Valley or the Bay Area or San Francisco, like you're talking about something that's, you know, takes three hours to draw or more to drive from end to end. And, you know, what happens in San Jose is so much different than what happens in San Francisco. And, you know, when I went there 15 or, you know, years ago, I could easily have a meeting in San Francisco and one in Mountain View and one in San Jose on the same day and probably fit another couple of coffee (laughs) in there too. But, you know, the way it grew and the way the traffic grew, that's just impossible today, you know. um, Yeah. You might hit hit two of those places if you're lucky. Yeah, because the traffic just, you know, it just is so, it got to be really, really insane. But uh, it is harder, I think, even now to find that landing point there um, because it's so diverse but uh, you know there's always meetups you know again we're speaking pre-COVID but you know there's lots of different activities to go and and meet people and and start to start to get your foot in the door Mm -hmm. and and definitely something that we've talked about offline is is in San Francisco I think like or the valley really like definitely the advantage is it's just there's so much going on but to to some of us it also sometimes can seem like like a disadvantage because there's so much noise right yeah, so so absolutely. like what what advantages do you think running a company outside of silicon valley just just like you do and and we do obviously at launch um could, could actually give us for the fact that we are outside the valley yeah, I mean, definitely a lot of, lot, you know, price being one of them, right? It's it's uh, pretty expensive to, to live in, and work in the Valley. And a lot of companies have started to move out of there over the last little while, recognizing that. But you need to kind of go where your tribe is too. And, you know, if, if San Francisco, you know, the Bay Area is doing everything, it's nice to find a place where you can actually get the support you need. Um, I mean, the culture there is... Um, you know, it's, it's very fast. It's, um, it can be very cruel. Um, you know, it can be very cutthroat there. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, it's a lot more of a friendly place here where I've always, you know, I've had many opportunities to, to move there with, with WIP and with other, you know, companies, but never really wanted to. And it's so interesting to just stand back and observe some of that culture from here 
um, you know, observe the good, observe the bad, and and pick the pieces that are going to work for you. Um, whereas here, you know, it's a lot of a smaller, tighter community, and I think it's easier to find that support, um, that the support that you need in a smaller a smaller place. Um, and you know, there's so many startups that are in the valley too that often. You know, if you've got a really good, warm introduction from somebody, you come from away. Sometimes it is easier to get that meeting with somebody in San Francisco or you know wherever you need it to be when you are from away. Mm-hmm. And then, and then maybe maybe drawing back to to a little bit of when you first started doing business with San Francisco or Berlin or any of the other markets that we just talked about. How do you really get that first? I won't say just first step, but first two three steps because like. For example, like me, I know close to nobody in Berlin. How would I actually, as, as a tech entrepreneur, go and, and approach that market? And, and does it come, like, do you think it comes from a need first? Or do you think it comes from a pure interest in like, hey, Carolyn said Berlin was good. Let's look at that as a potential market. Um, I mean, I think you have to have a reason for, you know, mm. going to be in, a, be in a market like that, whether there's some sort of tech group or, um, you know, is there a major customer that's there? Do they have a major ecosystem around um, that you want to get involved with? So I don't think you just want to, you know, just do show up. Carolyn said it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Although traveling there, you know, for fun might might be a good a good thing to do. And you know, otherwise, like, you know, just like somebody who would want to get into Vancouver, there's I think there's a lot of entry points. Whether again, it's the the meetups, the accelerators, the the larger companies with the head offices often have, um, you know, places where, you know, like Google has got a lot of places where startups can actually go and have office space. It's, you know, those kind of places are an opportunity to, to meet a lot of people and, and, and get, get engaged. And um, yeah, a lot of the larger companies are having those still those incubator accelerator places too, if, if that's, you know, the, the type of, of uh, contacts you're you're looking to to make you know otherwise you know if i, I think i th- i think it's going to be a little bit more challenging for folks who aren't able to meet face to face to start to meet people because we don't have a lot of those you know i started by going to events and just like hi i'm carolyn here's what here's who i am and here's what i'm all about and um you know just sort of kept doing that until everybody just recognized that I was just one of those people that was going to be at the next, you know, the next event and, and was, you know, helping to organize things and get, make things that are helpful. Um, and so now I've got a good Rolodex and I think, you know, if you can tap into a Rolodex, you already have, you know, I guess a Rolodex, I don't know if people your age know what that is <laughs> anymore. We get the concept of it. It's, <laughs> it's a phone book. It's, it's your LinkedIn. But, but it's the, it's the, yeah, it's like all your LinkedIn contacts. I think, um, being able to leverage what you already have or folks that you already know is going to be really important right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I think a key point you kind of mentioned early on is, is just never ending the conversation and, and going back to, to, you know, who else could you introduce me to? Do you know anybody that, that might be interested in what I do or, or I may be able to help them. I, th- I think that's really powerful. Um, but, but, you know, talking about, you know, just, 
non-COVID world and, and, you know, we can be traveling. Oftentimes you already kind of mentioned you, you'd spend a lot of focus on, on events. How do you kind of personally justify what's the right time to, to go to events A, B, and C and D? Because obviously as, as a business owner, you, you could be producing product. You could be in your case, servicing clients. Um, but also part of that is biz dev and, and going to events. Like what, how do you justify when the right times are to, to go meet someone in purses, to either close the deal or even open the deal. Um, and, and versus, you know, we can do this through phone calls. I, again, I, you know, just from my experience, what I did was I, I targeted events where I knew my potential, you know, my customers were going to be, and I just, I went there mm-hmm. and that was my goal. Like I remember going to an event in San Francisco or, or in, uh, uh, an event in Las Vegas. I'd never been to Las Vegas before. I had no idea how large Las Vegas was. And I stayed off the strip because again, and I just looked, I looked on the map and I thought, well, how far could this be to walk? Right. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was far, but like that was my <laughs> one goal. It was like, I knew this one person was going to be there and they were going to have a booth. And I went and I flew there and I met them. And that ended up being Ed from at and <laughs> And, you know, they ended up being a really good, good, uh, good customer for a really long time who ended up introducing me to other people, too. So I just knew that they were going to be there. So mm-hmm. that was that was the goal. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I still remember. So so for those that are listening, like, you know, the I think we've hinted at it, but but I worked for Caroline in the early 2010s. Um, the I still remember the third day of work. She put me on a plane and sent me to Vegas for for CES, and I barely knew what the company did. Definitely didn't know what I was doing, and and she kind of literally threw me into this probably one of the biggest consumer, the biggest big consumer tech conference in the world. Um, and and I asked her what what are what am I supposed to do here? And she said, go and find two business cards. And and I'll never forget that advice because I think a lot of times different people, especially digital entrepreneurs, we always expect them to be salesy. We always expect them to be extroverts and, and, and know what to say and how to sell and things like that. But reality is founders, in my opinion, come in all sorts, right? Like we have technical founders, we have sales founders, we have marketing founders, we have financial modeling founders. Um, and, and a huge part of that is, is I think, I think there's, there's some tips and I know I'm doing most of the talking, but it's derived from you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, there's some huge tips in that kind of small little tip is one, I think is quantifying your goals is, is okay. Two business cards is, is something tangible, something simple that, that even if you're uncomfortable, you can kind of push yourself out of that comfort level and, and get to, and the other part is, is okay. Now that you have those cards, what are you, what are you going to do with it? Right. So it's, it's quantifying and then, and, and then being objective focused. And, and that's kind of always the take that, that I've passed on to probably multiple people um, that are trying to do biz dev that maybe that that's not their, their forte, right? Like they're, they're used to building product and they're great at it, but they don't really want to talk to customers. But yeah. when you're, you're a team of two, you do everything. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's huge. Um, just to, just to kind of tie it into, to nowadays, because so many events are going virtual. And again, we were talking offline about that. I think a lot of that can be lost um, in terms of the networking and the kind of, uh, you know, spontaneous or, 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 you know, meeting and bumping into people and, you know, mm-hmm. having, having the get so to introduce yourself. Um, how do you see any, 
any of us that are listening, kind of how do we leverage what's available now? Because we live in the now, right? So I don't want to just talk about yesteryear. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I think like, you know, there's still some similar things. It's about, it's about breaking it down into manageable pieces, whether I just, you know, want to come away with a name or something. And, you know, I've been on four online conferences since this whole thing started and, um, and I've met potential customers and I, it's, it's part of it was just an innate curiosity. Like I wanted to see what this tool was about. And I remember, you know, on one of them, it's like, you know, punch in here. So I, you know, I go into this room, it's like, okay, you're, you're going to be live recording. It's like, oh, is my hair combed. Like, I'm not sure I'm ready. <laughs> you know, I'm ready for this, but it's like, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? You just like delete right away and somebody can't see you, but it's like, okay, well, I went in there and you know, it was, it was awkward for, for both of us. And it's like, okay, well, here's kind of what I do. And here's what you do. And, and it's like, Oh, that's exactly what he needed. It's like, Oh, cool. That's perfect. And so it's, you know, just trying to, it just taking those chances. And sometimes are you going to end up chatting with somebody who makes no sense at all? Yeah, probably. And, there's a good chance they could, or there's a good chance they at least might know somebody, or you've had a chance to practice your pitch. Because if you are talking to somebody and they go, get what you do, and you say it again, and they go, still don't get it. You know, you need to, you need to internalize that and come back and go, yeah, I think I better figure out what my one, you know, my elevator pitch is <laughs> to, to be, to be able to talk about that and, and to be able to ask them questions about, you know, what, what they do as well. So like I'm even finding the online ones, there certainly is a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of Slack groups out there right now for different things that are a, a great way to get involved. And, you know, I think developers have always, um, you know, whether it's subreddits or, you know, stack overflow and that there's always been a good way for them to sort of get engaged and, and, uh, and help each other and support. But I'm seeing a lot more Slack channels come up for, for different groups and different companies that are setting up. And, um, you know, you can't be pushing your business all the time. If you can help somebody else answer a question too. And, you know, there's, there's a ton of Facebook groups out there. If anybody's involved in like machine learning, I'm surprised at how many like really good Facebook groups there are for like technical people in, in machine learning and people looking for business. So I think there are a lot of, different places to go other than, you know, showing up for CES or, or the meetup that's happening down, down the street. It's just, a, it's a different way and um, start by offering what you know and what some of your advice is and, you know, you'll get to know people that way. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, I mean, on that note, just to dive a little bit more like whip we're, we know them and you mentioned as a developer marketing agency or a developer relations. Like for those of you that aren't in that, in that field, what, what is that for them? So in terms of developer relations, it's, you know, it's about building programs, developer programs that support companies that have tools for developers. So what's a tool for developer, an API an SDK an HDK, uh, a library um, and all of those, tools for developers need to be supported in things like good documentation and uh, getting started guides. And so uh, we support our client base um, in from a strategic perspective and trying to figure out what kind of developers would be the best fit for for their tools. Um, With the whole developer experience piece, 
um, you again from from docs and and making sure that the product is is really ready for developers, and then also making sure that the whole community piece, so developers are supporting each other, and you know those good forums and that sort of thing happen. And and I think to simplify it, if if any technical co-founders are out there and they've ever read garbage documentation, just tell them to call Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a very simple way. I think we've all seen um, diff- different things just. Where, where we just lift our hands up and go, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. And, and I think a big part of what you do is just trying to clarify things and make it easier. Um, and, and, and I developers think developers to be successful. Exactly. And I think at the core of, of what you do is, is a lot of like community or developer relations, but, but in your case, you know, developers are your community. Like why, why is it important for any company to, to nurture their community, whether it's their customers or their users? It, that's just something that certainly has changed over the years too. And whether it's a developer community who's going to use your tools, I mean, you want to support them to, to do well. And you also want to get feedback from them on how you're doing. And whether it's a technical product or, um, you know, I think there's a lot of SaaS companies um, you, you want to be able to get that feedback. You want to be able to have the community members interact and help each other, but also get ideas about what the possibilities are to, to be using the products uh, that you have and you want them to refer uh, mm-hmm. uh, to. So the yeah, community is, is definitely important for lots of different, uh, lots of different reasons. Mm-hmm, for sure. And, and, I mean, a lot of your clients are, are, are larger companies, frankly speaking. Um, what kind of advice do you give them? Because I think, I think something that large companies and, and startups alike is, is they think when they, when they approach community, they always think, oh, I got to start my own Slack group. I got to start my own Facebook group or, or they got to start their own thing. And then they almost kind of default to expect, you know, in your case, developers, but in general, they're, they're customers to come. Um, but you know, I, I have the inside scoop, but I have seen you, you know, suggest to them, it's like, Hey, maybe you should go to something that already exists. Right. And, and join them. So, so how, what kind of advice or, or how would you guide someone trying to go through this process going, okay, I have a hundred customers. Like, do I make my own Slack group or do I like, what, how should I approach that? Like, do I try and join something else? I think there's a big mistake around how people think communities form. And you'll often hear people say, well, your community just has to form organically. (laughs) Well, partially, but you know, the best communities and a lot of the best things um, happen when you put a structure in place and help those early adopters or your beta users get started and you spend a lot of time with them. You're always, always, always going to have to spend a lot of time and nurture that early group, or you will never form your own community. And some of it is, you know, inviting them in to again, be the, be the beta testers or, you know, be our, be our champions and tell us how our program is working or, you know, be the first ones to understand what the new feature is, is going to be. And then spend that time and nurture them. Um, and then you'll know when it's time, when they're wanting to bring other people in and, and when that time is. But if you just sort of throw up a Slack channel and you think it's going to happen, it's just communities don't happen organically that way. Um, 
the other thing, you know, even in Stack Overflow, you know, you could seed a couple of questions or you can, you know, get yourself a new GitHub and put up a couple of repos. And again, if you're not leading people there and, and supporting them, that community is not going to grow. So that initial part is always really important. But then when they start to build, you know, grow to grow a lot too, you have to know when to be hand, hands off. And, um, you know, you'll, you'll get to a point where you'll understand where other people are either asking, answering questions, or you need to step in and, and do some things, or you start to then start to, to, you know, knight other people as, as the folks that will, you know, be the stars to answer the questions. And there's, a, there's a number of different ways uh, to, to go about, to go about doing that. But I think too, you know, depending on what your product or tool is, and there, there might be a, a really good, you know, subreddit out there or a Facebook group that, you know, or a LinkedIn group that you want to support. And the more you or some of your team can be in there offering advice, um, you'll start to form your own little community anyways, you know, you'll, you'll get known and, and people will know about you and your product. Mm -hmm. And, and maybe, maybe this touches a little bit on the, on the organic debate that I'm sure a lot of people have, but where, where, where do you stand on the concept of, of, you know, fi finding your first users and, and I, I like to call them super users or, or, you know, whatnot, kind of yeah. the, the champion, as you mentioned of, of your product, of your community versus something like influencer marketing, where, where somebody has already built their own reach, built their own brand, and you're kind of trying to import their, their reach, so to speak, into your, your community base. I think that works better in the consumer side of things. And I think you just have to be so careful, especially when we're talking tech though, because I think for those of us in tech, we just call bullshit on things really quickly. Am I allowed to say that? Yep. Um, I was waiting for it. I baited you into it. <laughs> <laughs> um, because if you know somebody's getting paid to talk about your product, the red flag is going to go up. It's like, did you really mm -hmm. like this? Did you really try it? Are you only doing it, you know, only doing it for, for that. And, you know, the really good influencers and in technology that I've really seen are the ones that won't talk about it unless they tried it and mm -hmm. actually do have something really valuable to say about it. Um, and, you know, you have to be prepared that they might say something awful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as as well so i think you just have to be careful with those kind of those kind of influencers mm -hmm. and, and it kind of sounds like once you do get you know two three good customers i think a big part of that is is nurturing that relationship and i think documenting is super underrated things things like linkedin reviews google reviews i guess that's still more consumer oriented but but from a b2b perspective it's, it's testimonials or even videos and things like that testimonials case studies yeah, absolutely. The videos, all of those are really, really great. And, yeah. And necessarily nobody ever really wants to be the first one to do something. Mm -hmm. um, well, we all so, think we want to get in before everybody else, right? <laughs> yeah, but you never want to be the first. Yeah. You might want to be the first 10 to 20, but you never want to be the first 10. Um, you know, cause you know, you don't have time or, you know, it's going to break something or, you know, whatever it is. So it's, you know, whether it's, it might be the first 100, but um, that's where that nurturing and that non-organic stuff, you, you just really have to put the time in. You gotta, mm -hmm. you gotta put the time in. If you're not willing, if you're not willing to put the time into those kind of sales and community building that you are to building your product, you're just not going to be around for long. Mm -hmm. 
that's, that's super valuable. So, so the last question I'll leave you with is because, because I know, um, and I'm without speaking to any of the names, like a lot of people listening might want to be like, Hey, I want to, I want to build a relationship with Amazon. I want to build a relationship with Twilio or Qualcomm or whoever it is, how, from their perspective, they, they're, they're a tech entrepreneur. They have a product or, or it could be a service. We don't really know. They have some sort of tech. How would you actually recommend, I guess, on the reverse side, since you spend most of your time recommending, you know, the companies themselves on how to reach out to, to these potential people on the reverse side, how would you recommend they reach out to, to larger companies that they want to build partnerships with? You know, lots of different ways for sure. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the companies have their own partner programs and developer programs. And if you've got something really great, they're always looking for innovators that can be part of those programs. You know, developer programs, they want you to use their tools, but partner programs mean you've already, you know, you've got something valuable to add to their community. So, you know, there's people actively looking for that. You can usually pretty easily find out who is is doing that. You know, being engaged in in their own communities, again, answering questions or, you know, being involved with that and, you know, using your Rolodex, (laughs) you know, using LinkedIn to, to, um, you know, get some of those referrals. And I think if you've got something that's really valuable, people are going to pay attention to it. You, you know, you've got to have your value proposition figured out and your, your, your pitch down. And if you can have a, a warm handshake uh, connection to somebody, that's always going to work better, better for sure. But, um, you know, I think too, just on that note, um, I think you just have to really be authentic. Like I've seen uh, so much come across my desk too of, you know, people wanting to engage or sell you something and they, they think they're pitching you, but it's, it's really like smarmy and you, you don't, it's, a turn off. it's it's really a turnoff because they haven't really figured out who I am or what I'm looking for. And I sure find that a lot with folks that are using the nurture campaigns, like, okay, just because I signed up and downloaded your white <laughs> paper, you know, doesn't give your salesperson the right to send me an email a day for the next two weeks, like, or call you you three times or call me three times. Like, did you actually go and take a look at my website and figure out what I did and where I might want to, to use you. So I think it's important to really be, be authentic. And I, I, I don't think it's a numbers game, you know, just because I think that's what those, a lot of the sales folks and a lot of like the HubSpot nurture campaigns have you believe that, as long as you're sending out a hundred, you're going to get that 1%. But I believe that the time is way better spent doing your homework up front and, mm-hmm. and being authentic. No, that's awesome. So, so really appreciate your time. We're, we're just right up against the hour now. So, so for, for all those listening, like what should, what should companies reach out with you for and, and how can, if they want, want to approach you and ask for advice or whatnot, how can they, how can they reach out to you? Ask Sam. Sam has my uh, has my contact information. <laughs> this is all just a grand master plan to increase my inbox, right? That's right. <laughs> you can always head to my website, www.wipwip.org. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time. And, and uh, like, like I said, Caroline is available if, if you need to chat about specific things. And I think specifically, if, if you are a technical founder, you're looking to build relationships with with um, different different partner programs and, and like she she's she's part of my Rolodex so for sure she's the first person I reach out to every single time so really appreciate you and and we'll chat again soon thank you very much thanks Sam. <laughs> <laughs>